Um, doing okay. It feels kind of Groundhog Day-ish, you know, uh, every day is kind of the, the same as the day before, but okay, definitely staying busy. Hi, 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 hi friends. Um, we are live again uh, for another episode of uh, learning new things from experts and people who have gone through things. So um, just before I start anything, if you see the watch party button below, show us some love and click it. All right. So today, uh, I have someone very special. I'm so happy to have. Hi, William. It's William Hello. Thomas. And he has a really, really interesting story to share. Okay, let me start it off like this. We all love to set goals, right? It makes us feel powerful and give purpose to our lives. But more often than not, I'm, I'm referring to myself, more often than not, most of our goals remains just goals. That's why when I met William Thomas, I'm so happy because he has run 33 marathons in seven countries, and not just that, he has gone on the Arctic and Antarctica. So welcome, William. Thanks, thanks very much. Looking forward to the conversation. Okay, so we're gonna talk about how to develop a perseverance mindset. Surely you have lots and lots of it, right? So uh, let's straight away start the first, uh, I want to know, what made you start running marathon? Because I, you told me that you started not at a young age, you started at 42. Well, 42 is not very old, but right. it is not very young either. So it's, right. you know, in the middle. So why? What, what made you start? And were you always fit? Was it easy I, for you? I absolutely was not. Uh, fitness was just never a priority for me. I had a lot of other things happening in my life, and I just didn't focus on this. Um, what, what actually got me started was I was in the military, and I was in Afghanistan in 2007. And uh, the only things to do there were work and work out. <laughs> so I, you know, I got into the habit of doing some workouts there just because there was nothing else to do. And when I got home, I thought, now this feels good. I want to stay fit. And so right. I knew that I should be running. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what was your training like then? It was uh, it was a, a bit intense just because I'd never done it before. You know, the the only reason I, I did a marathon itself was that I needed a goal. And so a friend of mine had suggested, you know, why don't you set a goal of running a marathon? And I said, great. And I said, then, then why don't you come and train with me? And ah, that's uh, yeah, <laughs> it's always good to have a partner, right? To keep, it keep really is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep pushing each other. Okay. And, yeah. So what I'm really excited to know is you ran you went all the way to the Arctic and Antarctic yes. to run. Now tell me, how horrible is it? Or is it a piece of cake for you? <laughs> well, um, I wouldn't say that it was horrible just because it, both of those experiences were amazing, both in Antarctica and at the North Pole. Uh, so you really enjoy the experience just because you know it's so special. Having said that, it was a lot different from running here in Singapore. Uh, the temperature was about uh, minus 30 Celsius. Uh, we had uh, some heavy winds at times. Uh, we had to keep everything covered. So you're running in a full face mask, goggles, hats, multiple gloves, uh, and everything. Um, so it was certainly a very, very different environment. And you're running on snow and ice, which is a lot different from running on the street. With all your gear, that's going to be really heavy. Yeah. And it's still, yeah. still the same distance? Still the same distance, uh, 42.2 kilometers. And... Uh, it, I can tell you it took me a lot longer in those two places than it ever has anywhere else. <laughs> but, but yeah, the North Pole and Antarctica were unique. So that, that is already uh, proof that you have all the perseverance that you need 
Now tell me what went through your mind when you were running and at the hardest point in that marathon, what were you thinking? Yeah, I, I think what occurred to me, and, and really it was true in both of these places, uh, these were certainly the most special marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things got really tough midway through. And I remember thinking to myself, I am probably never going to come back here again. Um, so this is it. This is my one shot. And there is nothing that's going to stop me from crossing that finish line because, you know, this is it. This is my opportunity and I'm going to take it. So were you uh, out of breath or were you, you feel, was there any point where you really felt like, you know, I can't do it. And then these thoughts came in like, you know, you're not going to come back. So were you okay or were you so fit that, okay, you run and, and it was okay? <laughs> uh, I've never been so fit that a marathon is just okay. <laughs> I wish I could say it was. That each one is a challenge. Uh, but these two especially. In Antarctica, back in 2014, I had some problems there. Um, I was getting dehydrated was a big issue. I wasn't drinking enough water. And okay. uh, even though it's not hot, it's you're still exerting yourself. And, yes. um, and I was getting dehydrated, so that was creating some, some problems for me. Uh, also, the snow was breaking up at certain areas, and it was very hard to get my footing in those. So uh, certainly in the last 10 kilometers, I was definitely feeling the pain. Um, but like I said, there was no way I was going to stop. North Pole, uh, the first 32 kilometers were great. They were on a path where uh, the snow was fairly stable, and I was able to run pretty well. But the final 10 kilometers were on a different area and the snow in some cases was up to my knees. And again, I was thinking, this is gonna to be tough, but I am gonna finish this because I'm never coming back. So this is it. Okay. Yeah. So this is why I want you on this show because we want to learn, and a lot of my friends told me that they want to learn from you. How can we set a goal? And obviously this is a long-term goal because I remember you told, told me that you, it was a 12-year goal, right? It's called the Marathon Grand Slam. How was it? Yeah, so the Marathon Grand Slam and involves running a marathon on all seven continents and at the North Pole. And right now, I think there are 148 people in the world who've done that. Um, and you're one of them. Yeah, I, I think I was number <laughs> I was number 82. Yeah, we, oh, I, nice. I keep track of that. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, that was a goal that I set for myself on my 44th birthday. And I said, uh-huh. by the time I'm 50, I will complete the Grand Slam. So I set a six-year goal for myself. And um, there were three things, I think, that, that really contribute to achieving a goal like that. One, like you said, set a long-term goal, set something big, but also have some smaller objectives on the way so you can see your progress. Wow. Uh, so every marathon, every continent I did was another uh, step towards my goal. Uh, the second thing, and I think this is most important, is have some sense of accountability. Tell somebody whose opinion matters to you that this is what you're going to do. And, okay, and this, I, this, yeah. I, I just want to interrupt you here. Sure. I have done that before. So okay. I've set a goal. I told someone mattered to me. And then later I went back to him and said, you know what? Can we negotiate? Can we like <laughs> not can we drop this? So so and yours is, is physically and mentally challenging. So yeah. how did you manage to keep that commitment, keep that agreement with your buddy? Accountability buddy, right? That's what Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly it. Um, so, you know, I went back to him. I, I mean, I did have to go back and negotiate at one point. I, uh, I had started my own business and um, 
I had completed the seven continents, but I still had the North Pole ahead of me. And I was planning to do it the following year. And I thought, I can't afford to write that check right now. I, I shouldn't spend that money right now because I don't know what's going to happen with the business. Yeah, yeah. So I went back to that friend and I said, hey, I would like to push this a year. I will be 50 years and three months old when I do it. Um, is that OK? And, and he said, yeah. So I think when you have that accountability buddy, make sure they know that you want them to check in every now and then. You want them to to ask you how you're doing so that that accountability is really strong. Yeah, yeah. OK, so now let's uh, let me bring it back to something that we all can relate to. So I was thinking about uh, how about writing a book because I just set myself a challenge to write a book. I started Good. yesterday and I'm supposed to end by end of this month. Like that's crazy, but I just I just have to keep going, right? What else can you do when you're on lockdown, right? right. So tell me what can I do to make sure I persevere through because the first two days I was suffering from brain fog. I can't think, I think because of the heat, because of whatever. So now I'm starting to get the groove. So, so what's your advice for someone? And I know a lot of people, a lot of my contacts, a lot of my friends who have always said they wanted to write a book, but it's so difficult. So what kind of a mindset should we take on? What should we be thinking about? Uh, what should we be saying to get this thing done? Yeah, um, and that's a great goal, and and thanks for sharing that because you've just made yourself accountable to me yes. and to everybody. <laughs> I, I, to everyone watching. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's great. I mean, that really is an important first step is uh, to let other people know what your goal is. Okay. Um, the second thing I think that's really going to help with that is uh, make sure you you've chosen something that you really want to really want to work on and um, that, that you know why you're pursuing this goal. Mm. You're not doing it just to check a box. You're doing it because you really want to do it. Okay. Um, I mean, I wrote, you know, I wrote a book uh, on running, on my oh, running nice. experience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wrote that book in about seven months. Um, but about five years ago, I started writing a book on leadership just because I thought I should write a book on leadership. And that is still just a collection of index cards. <laughs> so, so long ago. Okay. Yeah, so I, you know, focus on something you really want to do, and that's going to help you get through the difficult times. That's going to help you get through the writer's block in this case. Um, that's what's going to get you to keep going. Yeah, yeah. So I've also known a lot of, I wrote, I wrote a book in 2016 called okay. Six Mark. Uh, that took me about, I think, six months to get the manuscript done, the first draft, and then a few more. But I also know a lot of people who struggle, really struggle. They did their best, and they just cannot get it done. So what does that mean? So, uh, you know, I think, I mean, it could be something as simple as time management and uh, setting your priorities and, and working a little bit on that. Um, it could be a question of your organization. You know, like I said, I, I write out my book on index cards because that helps me visualize the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but in some cases, if you're pursuing a goal and you're just not hitting it and you're just not hitting it, it could be that you just don't want to hit it. Um, Actually, there's something deeper going on, yeah. right? Under the covers, yeah. right? It yeah. could really be. And whether it's writing a book or writing a marathon or learning a musical instrument or a language. Anything. Anything that is big for you, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be running marathon or not, well, but right. it could be that scale in your mind, right? Right, right. And, you know, if you keep if you keep saying you're doing it or you're going to do it and then you never do, then step back and reevaluate that. Ask yourself, mm -hmm. is this really what I want to do? Or am I maybe being pressured from the outside? I mean, my goodness, mm -hmm. social media 
has a huge impact on our priorities and yes. it shouldn't. Yeah, it really yes. shouldn't. And I'm always checking out on Facebook and my Instagram and I shouldn't be because I think I wasted two hours a day just doing that, right? Yeah. And I could be yeah. writing the book, right? Exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, so now we are also going through really difficult times. There are a lot of people who are who might have lost their jobs or who might have uh, been scaled down and their, their roles have been changed. So what, what would be your advice to them in terms of finding new paths and uh, new opportunities beyond this pandemic? What would you say? Yeah, I, I think it's important to, to carve out some time in your calendar to really sit down and give this some serious thought. Um, put away the electronics, put away all the screens, get a piece of paper and a pencil and figure out what you want to do. Um, brainstorm for yourself. I mean, just like you would manage a project at work, manage this project for yourself, you know, figuring out what I want to do and what it's going to take to get me there. But how do I get over all the distractions, the, the, the negative thoughts? I always have, I know a lot of people do also uh, thoughts like, you know, when I write a book or nobody's going to be interested in it or it's going to be so bad and people are going to laugh at me. So when you were setting your goals and probably you're doing other goals in your professional uh, life, yeah. how do you, do you have this kind of thoughts and how do you overcome it if you do? Absolutely. And, you know, that little voice in my head tends to be or can be very negative sometimes, especially in situations like this, especially in high stress situations. Um, what you need to do is take that voice inside your head and make it a bit more positive. Uh, what I encourage people to do and what I do for myself is I step back and I figure out what I control and what I don't. And this, the stuff that I control, I ask myself, okay, what can I do about this? The stuff that I don't control, I force myself to stop worrying about it because there's nothing I can do about it. There's just nothing to do about it. Um, if I can give you an example, if I can give you a quick example uh, of that. Um, when I was at the North Pole for the marathon, it was taking two plane loads to get all the runners in. I was on the first plane. While we were there waiting for the second plane, the ice flow that we were on cracked open and wow. destroyed our runway. So we were suddenly stranded at the North Pole. Wow. And, yeah. <laughs> and, wow. I can just imagine. Yeah. It was a freaky situation. And, yeah. you know, I thought about, okay, what do I, what do I control? Well, I, I don't control the ice. And I don't control the construction of a new runway. There are people here whose job it is to do that. Mm -hmm. What I do control is um, I can put on my running gear and I can go for a run in this minus 30 degree weather so that I can get used to it and I can get used to my shoes and get used to the snow. So I can, I can look for the positive in a very negative situation. And, and the way you do that, I feel, is by ignoring the things you don't control and focusing on the things you do. Yeah. So... Now, that is a really, really good uh, advice, but I also want to acknowledge that this is a habit of the mind. Yes. It doesn't mean, it's, it's like you, you, you need to practice these thought patterns before you need to apply it, right? Yes, so, yes, you do. Yeah, because you can't be in a difficult situation and then start, because your mind will be all over the place with your emotions adding in fuel to the fire and it's going to be crazy. So how can we practice this in our daily life so that when it comes to the, the crunch, the time when we need to use this habit, it's there for us to use. What's your, what's your suggestion? Yeah, you're right. You have to train your mind for this, just like you have to train your body for a marathon. Yeah. Um, 
The thing to do is to start practicing these techniques when it's easy. Uh, when you get a, a minor annoyance, a minor problem, uh, turn it into something positive. You know, look for the positive, look for the silver lining in it, if you will. Uh, figure out how you can reposition this as a good thing. If you practice that when it's easy, mm. then when it's hard, it'll be, if not second nature, at least it'll be easier for you to do. But if the it's first easy time, for you to access, right? Yeah. 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 Right. If the first time you try to, you know, turn that frown upside down is in a really, really bad situation, it's too late. It's too late to do that. You got to practice in the good times to be ready for the bad. Actually, I've also been practicing this. So what I do is that whenever I get frustrated in, in a normal situation, I always ask myself, is this frustration coming from something that I cannot control or something that I can control? So yeah. when I cannot control something, then I tell myself, then what's the point of being frustrated? Yeah, There's nothing I can do about it and just let it be, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, one of the ways you can really pull yourself forward also, I think, is when you're faced with a challenging situation, think about other challenging situations that you've been in and realize that you got through those and you'll get through this. And I think also you can think back to the challenging times when you fail and then yes. think about why you felt like the mindset. What were, what were you thinking that made you make take the wrong action or make the wrong decisions? What did you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I know it's it's difficult sometimes, especially in a, in a workplace, but, yeah. um, you know, failure is an opportunity to learn and do better. And we really need to view it that way. And if you have managed to survive a failure, um, then it's a sign that you can survive and you've got an opportunity to do it right. Um, and that's that's an opportunity you should take. So one of the things you should learn from failure, as you point out, is that you can survive failure. And it's Actually, okay. we can survive. We can survive a lot of things. Yes, we can. It's just that we, are, we overreact and our mind plays with us and, and we think the worst, right? Okay. I know you are a leadership coach. Yes. Now tell me, do leaders do this better or do they, do they become leaders because they are better at the perseverance game or because they're leaders, they become better at, you know, which one comes first? Wow, that's a very that's good a question. question. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, so I would say that people who are good leaders, and, and there are plenty of bad ones, um, people who are good leaders have practiced this as they've risen up through the leadership ranks. Um, mm -hmm. They don't wait until they become leaders and then try to build their perseverance and build their resilience and you know, build all their strengths. They build them up over time. So uh, that, that, that's a very good point. So friends, if you are working up the ladder, if you want to be in a leadership role, then you need to start practicing all these things that William has just shared with us before you get to that seat, right? And not Agreed. wait for that seat to come to you and then or sit on it. And then you start to think about, oh, I need to do this and that. Right. That's and right. you were saying something. What else were you saying? Oh, well, I was just thinking along those lines, um, you know, you always have opportunities to practice leadership, even if you're not in a formal leadership position. Uh, it could be where you're given responsibility for a, a cross-functional project. It could be that you're planning the company dinner dance. Um, but these are leadership opportunities and you should look for those opportunities and you should take them so you can practice for when you are actually in a formal leadership role. Yeah. And you have worked with so many leaders. I'm curious, what would be the biggest challenge for them that really test their leadership skill? 
and uh, make them utilize this perseverance mindset. Yeah. Um, I think the, the biggest challenge for leaders is going to be, for good leaders especially, is going to be when they are faced with a situation that is outside of their control and that for them is new, is completely unprecedented. So this pandemic will be one this, of them, right? This is a, a great example, yeah. Um, you know, and this is really the test of a, of a good leader versus somebody who's just filling the position. Uh, it's like an airline pilot. If they can land the plane in beautiful weather on a bright sunny day, that doesn't mean they're a good pilot. If they yeah. can land the plane in the middle of a thunderstorm at the middle of the night, that's a good pilot. Yeah, yeah. So what would be some tips you could give to someone who's watching this video and they are aspiring to be a leader? What are some of the practices that they could inculcate in them? to get them faster to that role or into that position. Or maybe they are, they are starting to get small leadership roles along the way, maybe as a manager or as a team leader. So what can they do to, to show the team that they have what it takes to become a leader? Yeah, I would say um, one of the best things you can do, one of the best things you can start practicing is to practice listening. Mm -hmm. um, the really good leaders are the ones who ask questions and listen to the answers rather than just telling people what to do. Um, that's not leadership. That's lecturing, in my opinion. Um, that's true. Yeah. 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 So I think the best thing you could do right now is is be listening. Uh, the second thing to work on is learn about things outside of your specialty. Learn how your specialty fits in with everybody else. So, for example, if you're in in the finance department, understand what other people in the company do, so you figure out how you all how you all fit together. Because when you're leading the finance team, you're going to have to work with those other teams and you need to understand. So these are things you can be working on now uh, long before you take on a senior leadership. So what I'm hearing is that you're saying that to be to become a leader, you need to practice your empathy and empathy skills, right? It's EQ at the end, listening, understanding, right? It's EQ. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, empathy is so vitally important for a leader. So many of us think that because we respond a certain way to a situation, we think everybody else is going to respond that way. That's so and true, that is yeah. not true. Yeah. I mean, look at the yeah. situation we're in right now. Um, you know, the way everybody's reacting to it is different. And a good leader needs to check in with their employees and figure out uh, how they're responding to it and how their life is going. Okay. So, uh, friends, I'm talking to you. If you have any questions for William, please post it now because in a minute I'm going to end this. So I'll give you one minute. <laughs> one minute is a bit too long. I'll give you 30 seconds. <laughs> okay, no questions? All right, all right. Thank you so much for all that uh, bits of wisdom that you have shared with us. I hope, I definitely learned a lot and I hope people, friends, if you're listening in, you learned a lot and uh, I'll talk to you again. Thank I you, look forward to it. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to chat, and thank you, everybody, for joining us. Bye.